Well, again, this morning it is good to be in God's house. Good to have each and every one of y'all with us today. You can be seated. I've got uh, a lengthy scripture to read this morning. And so we're going to ask you, if you would, take the word of God and turn with us to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to begin reading there in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 5, the Word of God states, And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went also into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. When it says he went into the first tabernacle, it means simply that he went into the outer court of the tabernacle. In verse 8 it says... Uh, and the Holy Ghost, uh, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices uh, that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, this is to say, not of this building. Let me stop there and I'll continue reading in just a moment. As he's talking about the tabernacle here, he's talking about the the time when the priest, the high priest, could go into the tabernacle. He could only go into the Holy of Holies one time of year. And that was to pray for the people uh, to confess their sins that they had come and confessed to him about and talked to him about. There they would confess their sins unto uh, God. He would burn incense. Of course, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was in there, and in there was the table of showbread and various other items and things and uh, there was actually a hole that was in the top of the Holy of Holies and a little like chimney that would come out so the incense would rise and go up to God referencing the prayers of us going up to God. And so he's talking about here the high priest. The high priest could only go in one time a year. But we have a better high priest and our high priest is Jesus Christ. And we don't have to wait for one time a year to go and confess our sins. We don't have to go to a priest or some uh, form of a man in a Catholic robe in a cubicle and confess our sins before him. We don't have to say a bunch of Hail Marys and things like this because we have a high priest that's greater than any earthly priest and his name is Jesus Christ. And so this is talking about the, the priesthood of Christ. And so as we continue on there in verse 12, he says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, uh, but by his own blood, he entered into, uh, in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much uh, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, 
that by means of death for the redemption of transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment... So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that took, excuse me, that look for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And I want us to go back to that verse where it talks about the fact that there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, as we come now before your throne of grace, we thank you for your goodness. Father, as we look into your word today, we pray that you'll help us, Lord, that you'll help me stand behind this sacred desk and, Lord, tell the people exactly what is on your heart. I ask you, Father, today that you might allow your word to speak to them. Father, first of all, I pray, Lord, that it might convict, Lord, all those in our service that may need that conviction. And then others, Father, that need encouragement. I pray, Lord, that you would bring that encouragement and, and that uplifting to them. And, Father, many things can come out of reading and studying your word today. And so we pray, Lord, that whatever the need is today, that it might be met. I pray also today, Lord, for lost folks. I ask God that if there's one in this congregation that is lost, Lord, they've never accepted you as Savior. They've never asked you to come into their heart. Lord, they've never had that peace that passes all understanding. I pray that today would be the day that they would come to know you as, your, as their precious Savior. And, Father, I want to thank you today, Lord, for saving us, Lord, those that are saved. And, Father, help us, Lord, to live our lives a complete life, Lord, uh, completely fulfilled with the things that you desire for us and all those things in your word that you help us to learn. These things now we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. I have heard people say, I can't afford that. We'll go to the store and we'll look at things. We'll look into uh, magazines and catalogs and, and stuff. And we'll say, well, we just can't afford that. We want it. We need it. 
but we just can't afford it. Well, I want to speak to you today on the subject of what you can't afford to be without. What you cannot afford to be without. We live in a day where there are some things that many people feel just like they cannot be without. And yet they do not even look at the spiritual things in the same light. We live in a world today in a society where toys and things of that nature are probably one of the most important things in a lot of people's lives. But let me share this with you today, dear friends. Jesus Christ should be the most important one in your life. Jesus Christ should be the most important uh, opportunity that you share each and every one of your opportunities with. It's not about the things in our life that we uh, do otherwise. It's not about the extracurricular activities that we find ourselves wanting to get into. But it is about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Every day of our life should always be about Jesus Christ. Everything we think, everything we do ought to be about Jesus Christ. Many uh, people today, they feel that they cannot do without riches. And because of that, uh, they, they try to gain these things. You know, and honestly, folks, it's not a sin to have material things and material wealth. God never says in His Word that we cannot have those things. But what the problem is, is those things sometimes cause our attention to be more focused on them than it is focused on God. And so when we have these things, it's okay to have them as long as we make sure that God is still at the forefront of our thoughts and our mind and our lives. Some folks will get obsessed with thoughts of getting rich. And riches uh, can lead to many things in this world that are not right. A lot of people, every single year, they fill out sweepstakes. They fill out these contest things and try to win. Uh, a lot of people in different states that allow it, they, they go to the uh, gas stations and these little convenience stores and, and they'll buy those little cards, you know, for that money that they can win in that year possibly a million dollars, possibly $50 million. And in some states, the, the totals go way up even close to a billion dollars. Can you imagine that? But would that really make you happy? I mean, with these things, with these materialistic things, this, this wealth and these riches, would it really bring us to the point where God wants us to be at? I'm afraid it doesn't, folks. You know, the richest man in the world, when he was on his deathbed... He was uh, talking to people around him, and he said then on his death, because he had inner uh, stomach problems and things uh, inside his internal body, and he said that if, if I could trade all my wealth today for just one more opportunity to be saved, I would. He was Mr. Rockefeller. Even there, he did not accept Jesus Christ. Even there on his deathbed, if he had cried out to God instead of those words, if he had just cried out to God and asked God to come into his heart, God would have saved him. And how sad it is that we look for these riches. Jesus summarized it well when he said, Life consisteth not in the abundance of things a man possesseth. Jesus also says in those words that we are not to build our life around things. We should build our lives around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Riches do not gain us real prosperity. They certainly cannot redeem the soul. They cannot deliver in the day of God's wrath. 
When we stand before God one day, you can tell God that I am the wealthiest person in the world. I have all the things that I've ever asked for or ever needed or ever wanted. And because of that, God, I should be let into your heaven. Oh, my goodness, dear friends, how wrong we would be. Because the only way that God will ever let us into the gates of heaven is to make sure that we have been purged and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the songwriter said these words, Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Others today, they feel like they cannot do without worldly fame. And so they go out in their lives from young people and try to grow up to be famous people. They, they try to uh, sing songs and do things and dance or do things in, in some form or fashion of drama and get into the movies and so forth and so on. And so they can become famous. But you know, I've met some, I've met some people that were very famous. And they have told me that that fame and fortune, it only goes for a short little while. But after that, they've got to think about their life and their daily life. Because that fame and fortune could go away just like that. There have been many of those movie stars that they had a serious illness and that serious illness took them out of their ability to do their job and their career. And that took their monies away from them. And that once big mansion they had there in Hollywood or some other place and that secondary mansion that they had down in the Canary Islands or some place like that, uh, that, all that went away with all these things. Some of the dearest saints of God I have ever known have been people that were not famous in this world. Now, fame is one of those fleeting things. It may be here today and gone tomorrow. And I've observed through the years some folks that they'll do anything really to get popular. When I was in school, I remember uh, us kids, there would be things that we would do to get popularity some things that the girls would do that they should not do to gain popularity. Some things that the boys would do so that they could brag about it and have a big name. The fanciest car or the fastest and sportiest car in the parking lot. Or just to have a car in the parking lot. Just to that somebody could come to them and pat them on the back and say, Wow, you've achieved it, you know. How sad it is that in our lives we put all this recognition, all this time, and all this ability of our lives into things, into fame, into fortune, and into popularity. When God tells us that we need to make sure that we build not on things, but on the things that are eternal and hold God's unchanging hand. I want us to look together for a few minutes this morning on some thoughts of, of the withouts in the Bible. And we find ourselves, first of all, at our scripture this morning where he talks about without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 states, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without shedding of blood is no remission. And what he's saying there is that almost everything that we could think about or look at has already been purged in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he tells us there, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So whatever it is that we do that has not been purged in that blood, those are things that we cannot come back from according to the Word of God. 
The greatest need of man today is to have their sins remitted or removed. And you and I know that when we get saved, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and purifies us from that moment forward. We know at that very moment that in our lives we are free from sin. We are, we are right with God at that moment. The moment that you come, and I've said this before here at this church, the moment you come to this altar and you ask Christ into your heart and He saves you, at that very moment you are clean and free and pure from sin. But then when you turn around and go back out to the seat and go back out to the car and the next day sin comes back into your heart and your life. And every single day we have to repent of that sin and we have to confess that sin and get those sins right with God. Because you and I are not perfect. You and I are still living in this fleshly body. We still live in a sense in this world where, where the devil still tries to attack us and does attack us and brings things and thoughts into our minds that should not be there. And so it's a daily walk. It's a daily work that we have to have with our Lord and our Savior. We find also the word remission. Uh, and it's translated several times in the New Testament meaning basically forgiveness. So when there is remission of our sins, that means there's forgiveness of our sins. That means you and I then can walk free and upright in this world and we can know that no matter what happens in our lives that we have been forgiven of our sins. That's why like on Wednesday night when I shared with you, I have no doubt that I'm saved. I have no doubt that I'm going to heaven. That's why I can say that firmly and boldly today. Can you say that? We all know that one of these days all of us are going to eventually die. And the wills and the living wills and all these things that's been made up, the preparations that, that you've made for, for death itself has been made up. But have you made that, that preparation for your heavenly walk? You know, we can make wills and tell people what we want to do with our properties and things like that. And then after those folks are gone, people do whatever they want to with it anyway, don't they? But God tells us that the most important thing is that we need to make sure of what we're going to do in eternity. And I ask you this today, are you going to spend your eternity in heaven or are you going to spend your eternity in hell? In the Old Testament, as we were reading a while ago, we were talking about the priest and the high priest and how things worked in the Old Testament. And their, their sins were only covered for one year at a time. The blood of that, that carcass, of that lamb or bullock that was slain out in the outer court of the tabernacle and the blood was gathered in the basin and then taken in to the Holy of Holies and there and that incense was burned and those things would go up. All those things only lasted for one year. But thank God today that when God saved me, when God purged me with His blood, it lasts for a lifetime, even all into eternity, dear friends. I don't have to just do it for a year today. And I don't come to the altar every single day and every single year and ask God to save me. If I did, that would be putting Christ back on the cross over and over and over again. But thank God, He died for me one time, dear friends. And one time alone was enough. Remission. Remission is through the riches of His grace today. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. If God were short on grace, then we would be in a, a big heap of trouble, wouldn't we? Oh my goodness. You see, we can rejoice today. 
We can rejoice today in the fact that, that God is fully rich in the riches of grace. And then remission is through His name also. We find in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, He says, To Him give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sins. So today when we get saved or when someone gets saved, what must happen is we must believe through His name. It's through the name of Jesus Christ that we're saved. We confess our sins unto Jesus and our prayer is through the name of Jesus Christ. And so as we pray today, it must be through His name. Whether we're getting saved or whether we're praying for uh, some person who's sick, some person who's upset or broken down or, or in some form or fashion hurt, it's through His name. That's where the remission of sins come. That's where God hears us. To say it another way, we are not accepted in what we necessarily have done. We are accepted in how we do the things that God has asked us to do. Remission means no more offering. Amen? I'm not talking about the tithes and offerings up here. I'm talking about no more offering of that animal. If that was still going on today, uh, you and I, if we were Christians in that sense, we would have to every single Sunday come up here and we would have to kill a spotless lamb or bullock. Some little sheep would have to die. Some little without spot calf would have to die. We would shed its blood I would shed its blood. I would take a knife, a long dagger. I would slit its throat while it was still alive and catch its blood in a basin. And then I would go into a secret room where I could pray for each and every one of y'all. Aren't you glad that's not the way we have to do it? I mean, how many of y'all would still be sitting here if I took a live animal up here and I took a knife and cut its throat? <laughs> Well, I know Johnny wouldn't be because that blood would be squirting, squirting all back over here. <laughs> you know? You say, oh, preacher, that's gory. Well, that's the way they did it in the Old Testament. But I'm so thankful today that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me. In the far reaches from over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary he gave up his life and the blood that shed from that shed down from that cross covers me even still to this day Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 and also verse 18 says in their sins and iniquities will I remember no more now where remission of, of sin uh, there is there is no more offering for sin when your sins are forgiving there is no more need of bringing an offering to atone for your sins praise God Baptism does not save you. There are some uh, religions and denominations and, and things out there that believe that baptism must come first and baptism is, is a form into salvation. It is not, dear friends. Baptism is salvation is through Christ, but baptism is something that we do to signify that we have been saved and letting people know that we're going to live for the Lord from then forward. It's an outward showing of our faith. It's an outward witness and testimony that you begin with. And that outward witness and testimony should continue thereon in your life every single day. 
You say, preacher, I can't be baptized every day. That's exactly right. But you can live for the Lord every day, friend. You can honor Him every single day. Baptism does not save you. By the way, clean living won't save you neither. You can live in this world as clean as you want to. You can not cuss. You can not hurt your neighbor or do any of those things like that. And it still won't save you in the end. Doing good will not save you. I've heard of people say, well, I'm just going to do good to people. And God will let me into heaven. I'm, I'm afraid, dear friend, they're, they're wrong. By the way, do you know that joining the church won't save you neither? I mean, there's a bunch of lost people that's joined churches all across this nation and in our world, and a lot of them have died and gone on, and they're not saved, and they went on to be in hell, dear friends. Why? Because joining a church does not save us. Joining a denomination does not save us. Trying to keep the Ten Commandments will not save you. When I was a young boy and I would read the Ten Commandments in the Bible before I was saved, I, I would read those things and I would do my best to try to keep those things. And I realized that there was no way that I could keep those things myself. And it was through some of those thoughts and convictions that the Lord laid on my heart that caused me to be saved. I had to have Jesus to help me. And He's the only one that can help us do that. You must have the blood of Christ applied to your soul. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, dear friends. By the way, number two, without faith, you cannot please God. We're talking about the withouts in the Bible. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Without faith, dear friends, you cannot please God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. All of Hebrews chapter 11 is a divine testimony of all the things and the lives who please God and that possess the faith that God desired from them. Now why is it that no one can please God without faith? Well, I believe it's because that no one will ever come to God unless they first believe that he is, and unless they're convinced that he'll do what he said he would do. Have to have faith. Have to have faith. Do you believe in Jesus today? Do you believe that he is the only way? Do you believe that he's the source of salvation? Do you believe that he's the right hand of the Father right now? Do you believe he was virgin born? Oh, listen, dear friends, we must believe these things. Why can we not please God without faith? Faith will please God because it brings access to Him. We now are able to access the very throne room of God. That's another reason why I don't need to go through the high priest. Do you know I could walk into the throne room of God right now and I can talk to God as we are standing here talking to you. And so can you. In fact, we're all supposed to be in a prayerful spirit. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. That's what pastor said this morning in his Sunday school lesson, didn't he? We're to pray without ceasing. That, that means that we're to continue in a prayer attitude every day, all day long. But there are things that interrupts that prayer attitude, isn't it? I mean, there are things that we think and things that we say and things that we get into that we should not do that interrupts that prayer attitude. And when that happens, sin then is, has the opportunity to creep into our lives and to mess us up. 
all dear friends, it is so important today to have faith. When the jailhouse at Philippi collapsed, the jailer went to Paul and Silas and cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said to him, Believe, believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says of Abraham that he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You can do all kinds of things, dear friends, to please him, but if you do not believe in him, I'm afraid you're going to be lost. Now, you say, preacher, well, I come to church. Well, let me share this with you. If you go into a garage, does that make you a car? I'm just asking. If getting uh, into the water when you go swimming, does that make you a fish? (laughs) Does flying through the air make you a bird? No. Does climbing a tree make you look like a monkey? Pastor Hodge said this morning he was like a monkey. (laughs) He doesn't look like a monkey. Listen, dear friends, I don't care if you come to church every single day of your life. It's not going to make you a Christian. What's going to make you a Christian is accepting Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins and asking him into your heart and that precious blood will flow over you. And you have to believe. You have to have faith. The faith that Jesus talks about in the New Testament where he says that if you had faith as of a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain to be removed and it would be removed. And yet, still, friends, we don't have that kind of faith, do we? You see, that's what saving faith is. Now, faith pleases God. And if we must have it to be saved, then it must please God because God is pleased with His Son and what His Son did on the cross of Calvary for us. And so faith pleases God because it will result in the right kind of life. We must have that right kind of life. Luke chapter 6 and verse 43 says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. James chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Pastor mentioned it this morning in his Sunday school lesson. Listen, dear friends, you don't work to get saved, but after you get saved, you better be working for the Lord. Amen. Amen? God calls us unto works. And you have uh, all these good things, dear friends. All these good things that God has done for us. So we think again about the, the withouts in the Bible. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Without faith, we cannot please God. But number three, without holiness, no man can see God. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord or shall see the Lord. Without holiness. There are basically two types of holiness in this, in this scripture that we learn. There's positional holiness and practical holiness. Positional holiness has to do with the time that we're saved. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. To be made holy is to be made pure and undefiled. 
So God brings holiness into our life by purifying us and cleansing us of our sin. It's through His precious blood, again, that He brings holiness into our lives. Now, this is a status that never changes. That's why positional holiness is the thing that keeps us saved, and that's the thing that keeps us going into heaven, dear friends, and that's why I cannot lose my salvation. But practical holiness, what is that, preacher? Where practical holiness has to do with our lives after we're saved. The word holy in the Bible is translated sanctify and saints. It has the idea of one here is pure and clean. That's why it is uh, in says in John chapter one and verse uh, first excuse me first John chapter three and verse nine says if we are born of God we cannot commit or uh, and practice sin as a habit. In other words, when I get saved, my desire is no longer to commit sins. I want to stop committing sins. I don't want to break the laws of Jesus. I don't want to break those commandments that we talked about the other night. I want to make sure that I do everything that I can that is right. So by habit, I'm trying to do the things that God says, not the things that God says not to do. So when I find someone who says to me that they're a Christian, and yet every time they turn around, by habit, they are doing things that are wrong. I wonder about their salvation. I have to ask myself and I have to ask them. And I go to God and I go back to the Scripture and I, I, I see the understanding that we do not commit sin by habit when, once we're saved. Now, the status of this never changes neither. Did you hear what I just said? That status never changes neither. That means halfway through your salvation in your life, all of a sudden God says, okay, I think I'm going to change that. I'm going to let you do a little bit of sin. Does God say that anywhere in His Word? I, I, I tell you what, then, if, if that's not good enough for you, I tell you what, I'll do, God says. God says, I'll, I'll let you when you, get, uh, when you get 50 years old, I'll let you commit two sins a day. Do you find that anywhere in the Word of God? Now, it might be in somebody's Bible because, you know, in the, today's Bibles, they let you do anything and everything. But in my Bible, my King James Bible, I can guarantee you it's not in there. Amen? It's not anywhere in there. In fact, God tells us that once we get saved, that sin is something that, that is removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Practical holiness. Positional holiness. I, I tell you, dear friends, we need to think about these things. We need to think about our bodies, what we're doing with our bodies, what we're doing with our minds and our thoughts, what we're doing in social media today. And then I want you to think about this today. Without knowledge, we hasten on into sin. Now, why am I telling you this today? Because I want you to have knowledge about this. I want you to know what the Word of God says about these sins. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2 uh, says this, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. In other words, we're to do things, first of all, by knowledge. 
We are to look it up. We are to study these things. We are to learn these things and learn about these things. Because if we haste at things with our feet, he says, that person then sinneth. Why? Because we don't think about it first. You ever said something and wish you could have taken those words back? Anybody? Well, if we had the foreknowledge of what might happen, we would have... I'm not going to say that. We would have caught it before we said it. Have you ever done something and wish you could have taken it back? I was talking to someone this week. Listen, dear friend, once we've committed a sin, it can never be taken back. Once you've done the dirty, once you've done the wrong thing, listen, dear friend, you cannot change that act. You cannot change the things that you have done. The only way that things will be changed, listen, dear friend, and then it's still the sin is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ once again covering it and cleansing it. Without knowledge, we hasten on into sin. You'd better know some things. Now, I think the first thing you need to know is that, that sin leads to shame. Romans chapter 6 and verse 21 says, What fruit had ye in, thee, in those things, rather, thereof uh, ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. How sad it is for our sins. Sin brings shame upon us. How many of you have ever committed a sin and not wished you hadn't done it necessarily but been ashamed of it or in the midst of the sin God reminds you that you're a Christian and as you commit that sin shame comes into your heart and your life how did you feel did you feel like you just hurt your best friend did you feel like that that you were not saved and you were trying to hide from God how do you think Adam and Eve felt in the garden when God told them not to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Did God come looking for them? Yep, he sure did. Adam? Adam? Adam, where art thou? And God went looking for him, and Adam hid himself. And when he found him, what did he find? He found two people that had covered themselves up. He asked them, why did you cover yourselves up? I paraphrase. Because we were naked. Oh, friends, shame. Shame for sin. And it must be there. These are things that help us to get back right with God. That's why that shame is there. And I... I I point this out to you today also. Without confidence, we would never be filled with fear. Or rather, we would be filled with fear. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 70, excuse me, in verse 24, he says that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. That this would grant unto us that being delivered again out of the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without Without fear. So preacher read that twice. That's exactly right. Because we need to have confidence, don't we? How can I get up here and preach Sunday after Sunday? I get up here and preach Sunday after Sunday because I have confidence in my God. 
I have confidence that he has given me a message. I have confidence that you're going to be here. I have confidence that you're going to hear. I have confidence that you're going to apply it to your life. I have confidence, dear friends, that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen? And when we do that, when we have that confidence, I'm not afraid. Of, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of death today. If someone came in here today and shot me dead, I'm not afraid to die because I know I'm going home to be with God in heaven, dear friends. If I go down the road and we crash our vehicle into another car or into an, an embankment or something, I'm not afraid to die today, dear friend. If I go to the doctor tomorrow and he tells me that I have a, a cancer that is going to take me away today, I'm not afraid to die. Because I know where I'm going to spend eternity. I know I'm going to heaven. I have confidence in that, dear friends. Do you? Without confidence, you would be filled with fear. Remember when Y2K happened? Everybody was scared to death, weren't they? I wasn't. I even had church members that were scared to death. And you know what we did? We made sure on that night we gathered together in church and we had a church service. And I preached to them about Y2K and why you shouldn't have fear. And Y2K came and went. <laughs> and we're still here, amen? We're still preaching. We're still doing what God asked us to do. When it comes to events, when it comes to all these things that we do, God's in charge. Uh, when it comes to energy, God's in charge. When it comes to everything that we do in this world, God is the one who's in charge. And God is the one who says when things are going to end and when it's going to begin. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power. What are you doing with your power? Are you throwing it behind something and afraid to use it? God says we have power today. Number 6, without chastisement there is proof lacking of your sonship Hebrews 12 8 says but if you be without chastisement whereof are all partakers that are all bastards and not sons I'm glad God chastises me when I sin because it reminds me that I'm saved it reminds me that listen dear friends without his correction it does not show me that he loves me but when he corrects me, he shows me that he loves me. You know, my dad, my mom used to tell me this right before they whipped me. And uh, I, I, I was talking to a pastor the other day. He said, he said it was more like a whooping, you know. Well, when we got them whippings and when we got those whoopings, listen, dear friend, right before that, they would always say this, and you know what I'm about to say? This is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that? Tracy, you was the first one to raise your hand. <laughs> Thomas, he must have been a bad boy. <laughs> Amen. Oh, listen, friends. God loves us and he wants to chastise us because he does love us. And yes, it does hurt him when he has to chastise us. I think it breaks the heart of God because we broke his heart because we disobeyed him. But aren't you glad we have an opportunity to get these things right? Oh, friend, 
Hebrews 12:11 says, "Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby." In conclusion today, I want to share this with you. you. Some things you cannot be without. You cannot be without the shedding of blood because there's no remission. You cannot be without faith because then you cannot please God. You cannot be without holiness for then you won't be able to see God. You cannot be without knowledge because then you'll hasten on into sin without it. You cannot be without confidence in God or you'd be filled with fear today. And lastly, you cannot be without chastisement because God proves his, his love to us in this. Some things you cannot afford to be without today. I'm afraid today, dear friends, we have put too much stock in things and things of this world and forgot about the things of God. And I've shared with you today as best I could some things that God doesn't want you to be without. So I'm going to ask you to get your spiritual pocketbook out today. I'm going to ask you to look into your spiritual pocketbook and to tell God, can I afford it or can I not afford it? And I'll guarantee you when you ask God that question, God's going to say, well, look at your pocketbook again because there's a whole bunch more in there than you thought it was. And you'll be able to purchase it spiritually and have it in your life. You might open your physical pocketbook today and it might be completely empty. But if you'll do these things that I've mentioned to you today, when you open that spiritual pocketbook, it'll be full. It'll be full of God. Amen. Amen. Let's all bow for prayer today. Now, Father in heaven, as we come before your throne of grace, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity you've given unto us today to be saved and, Lord, to honor you. And there are things here that in this scripture today you've told us that we cannot be without and go to heaven. And, Father, I'm afraid that there may be someone in our congregation today that's lacking these things. Lord, they put their faith and their trust in things of the world and, and the Lord of this world instead of, of putting their trust in the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, Father, I'm asking you today, Lord, that you would help them to see that. Lord, that they would come forward today and make those things right with you. But, Father, I ask you to give them another chance. Help us, Lord, today to finish this service, Lord, before you call. And these things we ask in your name, the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sister Heather is coming. Musician is going to start playing here in just a few moments. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I honestly believe today that God's calling somebody. I think He's calling someone back from a place where they were at that they should not have been. And I'm asking you to come forward today. I'm not asking you to tell me what you've done. It really doesn't matter what you've done. It just matters that you come forward and you repent of it. Maybe there's someone here today that they're lost and they've never been saved. And I'm asking them to come forward today. So you can go to heaven. 
do not take this lightly, dear friends, because this is real. As they begin to play and sing. What number? 220. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good to us today? Uh, I thank you today for being here. I thank you for listening. And uh, again, uh, my prayers are with you, dear friends. You may not have come to the altar today, but I think God is still working with you. And God's still giving you an opportunity. So I'm praying that he's going to continue to do that so that we can get our hearts right for the Lord and with the Lord and we can do what God wants us to do. And what he wants us to do is just to bring people to him just to share our faith with them. Well, I asked you earlier if you would all stay for just a few moments extra. Uh, Sister Trudy is going to go ahead and go out there and be getting the uh, camera and so forth ready. I don't think it's raining outside, so I think we're going to be okay about that. And I'm asking everybody uh, when we get the children up here and everything, go out and get your kids, and, and we'll go out there and get on the front porch area and so forth. Let's all kind of scrunch together as much as we can because we want to get everybody in the picture. Amen. And uh, you say, Preacher, why are you doing this? I'm doing this because I want people to see y'all. I want people to see the love of our church. Amen. And I want them to be able to come here. When they come here, they can say, Well, I saw your picture on the, on the page. And, and can I say it with you today? Wouldn't that be good if somebody come in and said they, they can say it with you? You say, Preacher, I ain't got no room on my pew. Well, have them sit in front of you then. Amen. Ask somebody, a neighbor, to move. Or ask your wife or your children to move so they can sit beside of you. <laughs> Amen. God's good. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, again, thank you for your goodness, your blessings you've given to us in this lesson today. And we ask today, Father, that you might take charge of the things that were said. Lord, hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. And Lord, help us to honor you each and every day. In Jesus' precious name, we ask this prayer. Amen. God bless you. If y'all would uh, uh, get into your spots out here. <laughs>